Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode num number 293 for April 25th, 2023. I'm your host, Randy Snow. On this week's show, Aaron Rodgers is now officially a member of the New York Jets, and five NFL players are suspended for gambling. In this week's history lesson, we tell the history of the World Football League. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table for me, as always, is my son, Adam. Well, now let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's not completely official until Aaron Rodgers passes his physical, and they apparently still got a couple things to do. He's got to sign something with the Packers, apparently, before the draft on Thursday. It's, yeah. I'm sorry. It's official. Uh, I'm already done with him. He's out the door. The door is locked. He's not coming back. Yeah, that's right. Uh, don't let the door hit you on the rear end on the way out, <laughs> Mr. Rodgers. This ain't your neighborhood no more. That's right. No longer Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. We come to you each week from the fabulous World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, where we post the entire audio portion of this show, as well as other selected videos. We're also on App Amazon Music, so you can simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast. So, let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football Scoreboard. That's right. Let me take things over, Randy, as you get a drink of water, because you've, uh, man, you're stumbling out the gate today. <laughs> what is it? Oh, man, yeah. Spent all day going through all these teams, you know, four XFL games, four yeah. USFL games. Uh, I had uh, four obituaries to write. I had to do all that this morning, so... Yeah, I'm a I'm a little uh, tired right now. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, I'm you know I'm glad you put all these hours of work in for me to run through them in mere minutes. And we're gonna start this week's scoreboard. We have 20 total games again this week, starting with XFL Week 10, the season or the regular season finale for this iteration of the XFL. And hey, they made it. They made yeah, it to the playoffs. At least they made it through an entire season this year, not like yeah. 2020. Yeah, and on Saturday, we saw the St. Louis Battlehawks, who had playoff hopes. Yes. Uh, they defeated the Orlando Guardians 53-28. to Those 53 points are now the most points scored in an XFL contest in league history. Yeah. There was also 33,034 people in attendance at that Battlehawks game. A great showing, great fan base. Uh, what a great season the Battlehawks had. Quarterback A.J. McCarron for those Battlehawks completed 28 passes during that game for 420 yards, along with six, count them, six touchdowns. Yeah, that was an incredible performance. Yeah, wide receiver Hakeem Butler caught nine passes for 164 yards and two touchdowns. While on the Orlando side of things, quarterbacks Quentin Dormady and DeAndre Francois combined to complete 28 passes for 281 yards, Three touchdowns and two interceptions between the, both of them. A wide receiver Jordan Thomas caught four passes for 109 yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, see the 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 um, Orlando team had good stats. The quarterbacks were slaying the ball around. Yeah, but man, you 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 can't uh, get past a six touchdown performance. Yeah. And, 400 yards passing. By That's tough. The battle the Battlehawks were in it to win it. Clearly, scoring the most points in league yeah. history. 
you know, they knew it was on the line, a playoff berth, and we'll have to talk about their fate here in a second. Uh, we're going to move on to Saturday's game, which saw the D.C. Defenders defeat the San Antonio Brahmas 29-28, which eliminated the Brahmas from playoff contention. D.C. quarterback Jordan Ta'amu completed 15 passes for 271 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran the ball eight times for 45 yards and added another touchdown on top of that. Yeah, what a what a day. For San Antonio quarterback Jack Cohn, he completed 34 passes for 312 yards, but was not able to get one into the end zone. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so the Brahmas officially eliminated during that game, which means the next game we're about to talk about, the Roughnecks and Renegades, was pretty much moot. Uh, for the Renegades, at least. Well, good for the Brahmas for at hey. least being there in the last week of the season. You know, it, it, you, I really didn't think they were going to get in. But there they were. They had their chance. Yeah. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, you know, a very weird, interesting season. We'll talk about uh, standings and playoffs in just a second completely. But uh, like I was saying, the Roughnecks uh, came out. They beat the Arlington Renegades 25-29. to 29, So it will be a rematch next week that these two teams will face each other. 25-9. to 25-9. Sorry, yeah. what did I say? You said 29. Okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> my microphone was kind of obstructing part of the script. Uh, Houston quarterback Cole uh, McDonald completed 10 passes for, 200, for 120 yards and no touchdowns and an interception. While former Western Michigan University, that's right, from Kalamazoo, Michigan, quarterback Caleb Ellerby caught, uh, saw limited action in this game. He completed four passes for 28 yards and running one time for six yards. Yeah, I forgot he was even on the team. I hadn't seen him, seen his name or anything in the stats yeah. lines all year. I don't, I don't know if this was the only action he got all year, but yeah, uh, who knows? it was a big deal when he got signed early on here in Kalamazoo that he was going to the XFL, but uh, didn't hear much from him until this last game. All right, and then running back Jeremy Cox ran the ball 21 times for 120 yards and a touchdown. On the Arlington side of uh, the ball, quarterback Luis Perez completed 22 passes for 205 yards and an interception. No touchdowns. No just touchdowns, yeah. Just an interception. And like we were saying earlier, these two teams will meet again next week in the playoffs. So was this a half, half-hearted half effort by the Arlington Renegades, knowing that no matter what they did, they're going to have to go to Houston next week and you know, play them again. You, you you don't want to think that, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? But so, yeah, so that set the first playoff game. Then it all came down to Sunday night uh, where there were uh, a bunch of tiebreakers, you know, that we were waiting on because the Seattle Sea Dragons were waiting for their playoff lives to be determined, and it was all kind of on their shoulders. Uh, the first four tiebreakers in this instance were, number one, head-to-head matchups, which uh, they were tied with the Battle Hawks. Number two is the best win-loss percentage in division games, and those two teams were locked at that. So we move on to number three, which was their strength of victory in all games. Again, tied. And then number four, the combined ranking among division teams in points scored and points allowed. Still tied. Still tied. So Unbelievable. That got, us, that got us all the way down to tiebreaker number five, which is the best combined ranking among all teams in points scored and points allowed in all games. The Battle Hawks went and scored 249 points and allowed 202 points, ranking second and fourth respectively in those races. Uh, respectively, in those races for four total tiebreaker points, uh, Seattle then scored 243 points and gave up 177, ranking fourth and first respectively for five total tiebreaker points. Um, so, so they they won by one tiebreaker point and on the fifth tiebreaker. Yeah. 
Wow. So, yep. So, so go, incredibly close for both of these teams. Yep. So as Seattle came out with that victory, twenty-eight to nine. You know, at the beginning of the game, a lot of people were saying they needed to score thirty-four. Yeah, I heard or, that, and then they didn't. It's really... it's like uh, that's kind of what everybody was rolling with, but apparently the XFL broadcast guys over at ESPN did not get that one hundred percent right. Eventually, they did seem to correct themselves during the broadcast. Uh, but yeah, so Seattle earned that playoff spot over St. Louis by way of that fifth tiebreaker, as we were just mentioning. Yeah. If you're confused, don't worry, so were we. And I read the dang thing. <laughs> Seattle quarterback Ben DiNucci completed 26 passes for 339 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Wide receiver Josh Gordon caught nine passes for 115 yards. And then on Vegas' side of the ball, guess what? We have a quarterback written down this week, everybody. As yeah, quarterback right. Jalen McClendon <laughs> completed just six of 21 passes for 201 yards and an interception. Wide receiver Matthew Sexton caught only two passes, one for 35 yards, and one for a whopping 84 yards, a total of 119 yards. Uh, two catches. <laughs> yep. Seattle Sea Dragons uh, wore uh, the name and number of Chris Smith on their helmets, a member of the team who recently passed away, and we talked about them last week. Yeah, we week. had his obituary last yeah. week, I think. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what they were going to do to honor him, but they, they came out with his jersey. You know, the first two guys out of the tunnel were carrying his jersey, and everybody wore a sticker yeah. that had his name and his number, yep. uh, a little football-shaped sticker on the back. Yep, so very touching moment there b- before the game, and uh, congratulations to the Sea Dragons for locking up that last playoff spot. And real quick, how did we fail to mention that awesome fake punt that Orlando pulled off on their game against the Battle Hawks? Absolutely awesome. If you haven't seen that highlight, go check it out. The fact that there's been so many fake punts this year is nuts. This is another big, long one, like, of... But a big dude, like a big old tight end, caught this pass and ran it all the way for a touchdown. Well, I I saw one, but it was, it was like an incomplete pass. So maybe they had two of them in the game. They might I, have, but they, they had the big know. the big long one. Oh, it was fantastic! It was a great <laughs> highlight. Well, that's great. That, that's I've always said this. This is my favorite play in all of football. Is the it's fake the, punt? The fake punt. You don't know is he gonna. You know, pass it to somebody. He's going to take off and run himself just enough to get the first down. I mean, the XFL has shown that teams aren't ready for it. Yeah. That I mean, this one was almost well covered. The guy kind of broke away from one tackle, and then it was just nothing but green pastures in front of him. But in certain situations, I don't mind you know them going for a fake punt if if they're you know over the fifty yard line, and uh, you know if if it's not that long, you know not, not that far to go. I have no problem with a fake punt. Give it a try. What the heck? Yep. All right. So the final standings in this year's XFL regular season go as follows. In the North Division, the D.C. Defenders end up with that number one seed with a 9-1 record, followed by the Seattle Sea Dragons as the number two seed with a 7-3 record. In third place end up your St. Louis Battlehawks, Randy, at 7-3. And, and in fourth place, my Vegas Vipers at 2-8. and eight. Uh, On the South Side uh, Division, the Houston Roughnecks get the first seed there with a 7-3 record, while the Arlington Renegades get a second-place bid with a 4-6 record, the San Antonio Brahmas in third with a 3-7 record, and the Orlando Guardians with a 1-9 record. And uh, before we preview these uh, games real quick, I know I've said this on other broadcasts or other videos we've done, but I I can't believe that a league like this that has only got eight teams I get it. The two divisions for regular season play makes a lot of sense. But when it comes to your playoffs, why aren't the four best teams in? Yeah. You have a four and six yeah. Arlington Renegade team in the playoffs, while a seven and three Battlehawks team that looked awesome, that literally just put up 53 points, should have made the playoffs. Yeah. yeah you got three teams with seven and three records, you know, two in the north and one in the south. And, you know, one of those seven and three teams is not is not going on. It should have, like, 
I don't know. It, it, it bums me out because it should have been like, look, you get first place in your division at least, you get an automatic qualifying right, bid. Right. That makes sense to me. But you have three teams that went seven and three, and only two of them are making the playoffs. One of them sitting at home, and a four and six team is getting to play in the technical playoff game. It bums me out. Especially because it's St. Louis. You know, they, they had the most uh, uh, fans in attendance yeah. all, all game long. I've, I've got the stats here later yeah. on. But, uh, yeah, so they're sitting at home. You know, could they have, have packed in more than 38,000 fans for a playoff game? Well, even I'm just saying, in this, in this scenario, they wouldn't even get a home playoff game. But it's just the fact that they're mm. missing the playoff games in general. Because, True. to me, to me if, the, if, if we were to go by a one through four, it'd be the defenders at one, Houston at two, the Sea Dragons at three, Battlehawks at four because right. of that tiebreaker that the Battlehawks right. and the Sea Dragons had. So that's how it should be. Um, and it just it just bums me out. Like, no offense to the Arlington team or the fan base there, but you're four and six in an eight-team league and you still made the playoffs. Yes, I get it. Your your league is divided into two divisions. But like I said, when you're that small of a league, why risk that kind of thing happening for your playoffs? Like, in the NFL, at least, there's 32 teams. You know, now they got 14 teams making the playoffs. So the likelihood of a sub-500 team getting in there is really slim. It only happens every few years now. It's not like an every-year occurrence. Um, so, I don't know. I just I just feel bad for the Battlehawks, especially when they've been playing so well. I'd be yeah. saying the same thing if the Sea Dragons got left out. Right. Uh, right. It just bums me out that two of those teams that I feel I could give the top two teams runs for their money. Yeah. You know, didn't you know one of them didn't make the playoffs? Yeah. So well, you know, maybe in in a year or so they might look at that. I hope so. Right. That's something I think the XFL should change uh, for next season, and and the USFL has got the same problem. So I'll say the same for both of those. Okay. All right. So uh, real quick to recap on Saturday, you're going to have the South Championship game, which will see the Arlington Renegades travel to Houston to play the Roughnecks, and then on Sunday you're going to get the North Championship game, which is going to see the Seattle Sea Dragons travel to DC to play the Defenders. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the XFL Championship game will be played on May 13th in San Antonio between the winners of those two games. Um, yeah, I can't believe the XFL season is almost done. A completed yep. XFL season. Good mind. for them. Yep. All right, we move on now to the USFL, where we have week two scores in that league. On Saturday, we had two games. In the first one, the New Orleans Breakers defeated the Houston Gamblers 38-31. to New Orleans quarterback McLeod Bethel-Thompson completed 23 passes for 251 yards and two touchdowns, while running back Wes Hills ran the ball 18 times for 110 yards and three touchdowns, <laughs> while wide receiver Sage Surratt caught 11 passes for 121 yards and a touchdown. Like a pretty dominating performance in all three areas. I'd say so. And then for Houston quarterback, Kenji Bahar completed 18 passes for 266 yards and three touchdowns. A wide receiver, Justin Hall caught caught, uh, 110 yards worth of catches. Who knows (laughs) how many catches again. That's right. I missed that. Randy missed that one, and he admitted to it. I don't know how many uh, uh, catches he caught. Wow, yeah, but clearly you don't know because it's not in. But he had 110 yards and two touchdowns. Yes, that's a big thing. Good thing we're not playing Fantasy USFL. Get off my case. Uh And then also on Saturday, the Birmingham Stallions uh, defeated the Memphis Showboats 42-2. Wow, you don't see that score, Bert. Is that a scoregami? In the USFL, I think everything's pretty much a (laughs) scoregami right now. Uh, Stallions quarterback uh, Alex McGough. Magoo is what they were saying. Oh, my God, that's even worse. that's what they were saying. Alex on the air. Magoo. Yeah. yeah. All right. I can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> Alex Magoo. Completed 20. Uh, shut up. Completed 21 passes for 301 yards, 
and four McGugan touchdowns. Uh, wide receiver Jay Sternberger caught five passes for 127 yards and a touchdown. For Memphis, quarterback Brady White completed 15 passes for 141 yards. Then with 59 seconds remaining in the third quarter, Memphis sacked Birmingham quarterback Magoo in the end zone for a safety and their only points of the game. Almost a shutout. Almost. <laughs> Keyword. All right, then on Sunday, the New Jersey Generals defeated the Pittsburgh Maulers 20-3. New Jersey quarterbacks uh, Dakota Prukup and DeAndre Johnson combined to complete 13 passes for 136 yards and a touchdown, and they still managed Took to win. Two of them to get it. Uh, in, in the win, yeah. Oh, man. Randy, I'd like to think that you and I could combine for more passing yards than that, but that's wishful thinking. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> You'd get sacked a lot. <laughs> Pittsburgh quarterback Troy Williams and James Morgan combined to complete 19 passes for 124 yards and an interception. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to see those New Jersey Generals this weekend. I'm, that's right. I'm excited for that yep. one. And you know who else we're going to see, Randy? Hmm. The Michigan Panthers, oh, yeah. who played in that second game on Sunday, defeating the Philadelphia Stars 24-10. Michigan quarterback Josh Love completed 15 passes for 174 yards, a touchdown, but threw a couple of interceptions, while stud running back Reggie Corbin ran 11 times for 131 yards and two touchdowns. For Philadelphia quarterback Case Cookus completed 19 passes for 283 yards, no touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions. Yeah, he, the, this uh, Corbin guy, he was uh, mic'd up during the game, and I posted a, a video oh, yeah, of him. Even the USFL, yeah, USFL posted some great yeah. clips from that. Yeah, yeah well, I, that's, that's where I got it from. But I reposted it on our, on our uh, Twitter feed, and man, was he an animated character. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be fun to watch this he, year. I think even watching that game, I was saying, give this guy the ball more. Like He may get five yards here, three here. He's going to break one. He'd find a seam, and that dude would get it. And yeah, he had some great runs. He had some great runs. Uh, he was in the running for Offensive Player of the Week, but that went to Magoo mm. this week. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts about the USFL this no, week? No, like you said, we're we're going to uh, Ford Field this Sunday. Oh, we'll yeah. Catch a couple of games. Double header. Our first ever football double header yeah. of all the year, uh, probably outside of high school. I don't know how many high school games you've technically seen because like there was a game at the silverdome back in the day where your high school played in the championship right there. they had four games in one yeah. day but we just went and saw the one game True. we didn't stay for all these games but this will be our first ever football double header in, in the person past, i've talked about a possible double header because uh western michigan had a game and then the same day kalamazoo college which is right across the street had a game so we could have done a double header then but we didn't and there was another time when we went to a michigan game and as we were driving home from that game, they were talking on the radio about the upcoming game, Western Michigan game. So we could have come back to Kalamazoo and caught at least you know half of that game. So there have been a few opportunities. We never took advantage of it. What does that say? That we're not as diehard as we pose, right? How many Good people... Lord. Here's my here's your next poll question. How many people have ever been to two football games in one day at any level? That's High school, one. college, pro, whatever. Has anybody one. ever been to a football doubleheader. Now, I'm, I'm not talking peewee because that's that's too easy. You know, you might have you know, a couple of peewee games in a, in a row. You might have one kid on one team or he wants to stay and watch his buddy on another team. Peewee doesn't count. But high school, college, or pro, uh, who's ever seen a doubleheader? Because when we bought these tickets, I didn't know we were getting both games that day. One game's at noon, the other's at four. And so one ticket gets us into both games. We're going to be at Ford Field all day. I'm going to have so many hot dogs and Elias Brothers big boy sandwiches, whatever. Uh, it's, 
it's going to be a real uh, gastronomical delight being there all day long watching two USFL games. And the one we want is is the later game. But hey, I'll sit there for uh, for seeing uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia play. That's that's fine. It uh, we we saw Philadelphia last year when we went to uh, uh, Canton for the championship game. So this will be our second time seeing uh, the Stars play, and uh, this will be my first chance to see the Michigan Panthers since uh, I saw a game in 1984 at the Silverdome. So it's been a long time between Michigan Panthers games for me, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, I have no idea what you just said because I was completely <laughs> paying attention to the Twitter poll I just posted. <laughs> The question, which will be up for seven days, everybody. Have you ever done a football doubleheader? Two games in one day, professional games only, high school and peewee doesn't count. Well, the, I was going to say high school. I don't count high school. I just what think professional. What about college? I think college. Those, are, those are all probably a lot easier. Professional yeah. only. It's, I think it's a lot harder to do professional games. College, you can probably, like no, you were nobody, saying. No, nobody's ever done a professional Two games in one day because you'd have to go to two different cities. Exactly. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> two simple answers. I have or I have not. Leave your <laughs> comments also there. Well, it's like uh, those race car drivers. You know, the Indy guys, they, they do the Indy 500, and then they go do a, a Daytona race down in Florida, another, you know, 500 or 400-mile race, 600. I don't know what it is. But there's some guys that as soon as the race is over with, they get on a helicopter, and they fly to another city and do another race. Yeah. All right, well, sorry for the distracting poll question there, everybody. Let's continue on with the scores as I pull my document back up. We had some indoor football league scores. It was week six in the indoor football league. Friday night saw the Sioux Falls Storm defeat the Green Bay Blizzard 55-47, to a game we actually caught the tail end of. Yeah. Uh, Sioux Falls Storm, what a great – they had a great play where they kicked the ball off at the end of the game. It was kind of bouncing down the sideline. And Green Bay, instead of recovering it, Sioux Falls Storm guy ran right up, jumped like midair, grabbed the ball, and got possession back for the Storm, essentially mm. leading to them claiming the victory mm. uh, there at the end of the game. All right, then Saturday saw the Tulsa Oilers defeat the Iowa Barnstormers 54-48 to for the first win in Tulsa Oilers history. Congratulations, Congratulations. to them. Congratulations. Good for you. All right, then the Quad City Steamwheelers defeated the Massachusetts Pirates 49-44. to The Frisco Fighters shocked the Arizona Rattlers 52-42. to The San Diego Strike Force shocked the Tucson Sugar Skulls 51-44. to How about that one? Yeah. The Vegas Nighthawks defeated the Duke City Gladiators 50-26. to And then on Sunday, the Bay Area Panthers took out the defending IFL champion Northern Arizona Wranglers 47-13. to You know, a lot of uh, teams here that you expect to be really good were losing. You know, Northern Arizona, uh, Tucson's been pretty good. Arizona Rattlers are always good. Um, uh, Massachusetts I, I just Pirates think the, com- the, the competition's up this year in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really surprised at, at some of these teams you know, that you think are supposed to be at the top of their uh, division or whatever. Uh, they all lost over the weekend, so it keeps things interesting. You're, you're always saying you want chaos, and I think that's what the IFL is getting right now uh, from some of their games. Shall I take it over for the last two here? Sure, go for okay. it. Okay. You can fix that poll question. Oh, I have uh, to fix it now? Well, I'm saying college or pro. And okay. Pro, probably not. But college, I think there are many opportunities for people to see a, a college football doubleheader. All like right. I, let me rework this poll, Like then. I said, you know, you've, you've got uh, Western Michigan, which is Division uh, One, 
uh, FCS, and then you've got uh, Kalamazoo College, which is a Division three school. So, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities to see a couple of college games, but uh, not, not so much in the pros. All right, college and professional only. Yes, that sounds good. All right, continue. All right, uh, let's see. We're going to uh, week eight in Champions Indoor Football. It saw the Omaha Beef improve to 6-0 and uh, with their win over the Billings Outlaws 45-12. to The Sioux City Bandits defeated the Topeka Tropics 45-36, to and this sent the Tropics to an 0-7 record. And finally, the Salina Liberty defeated the Southwest Kansas Storm 45-38. to um, The Rapid City Marshals had a non-league game that they played, and I don't mention those. And then the Gillette Mustangs were on by this week, so... That's it for week eight in the CIF. And finally, the National Arena League. It was week three on Saturday. It was the San Antonio Gunslingers improving to 3-0 and as they defeated the Albany Empire 55-53 to in a squeaker. And then on Sunday, it was the Jacksonville Sharks over the Fayetteville Mustangs 73-53. to On by this week in the NAL were the Orlando Predators, Carolina Cobras, and the West Texas Warbirds. And that is it for this week's World of Football scoreboard that featured 20 football games. That's right. And that poll is up, updated. Okay. One vote already in <laughs> by yours truly. Oh. Uh, 100% have said, I have not done a double hair. All right. In NFL news, the Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers deal sending him to the Jets is finally done. Our national nightmare is finally <laughs> over. Like you said in the opening, it's it's he hasn't actually signed the papers, but both teams have agreed, and I I'm assuming Roger has has agreed to this deal also. I uh, was going to send him to the to the Jets. Yeah. So it, it's all but it's all done except the ink on the paper uh, to get this done. The Jets, of course, get Rogers in the trade. They get the number 15 pick this year and a fifth round pick this year. Green Bay will get the number 13 pick, so I guess they just swapped the 15 and 13 picks. They also get a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick this year. They also get a conditional uh, 2024 second-round pick that could become a first-round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of his plays with the Jets. Who won this trade? I don't know. That's the question on everybody's minds. I was thinking that uh, Green Bay was going to get a lot more than what they did, Yeah, personally. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I don't know what I expected him to get or what he was supposedly worth. But when I saw this, I kind of thought, well, that's kind of, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I, yeah, it's, it's a lot of draft picks, but. It kind of, I, when I first read all this, I did lean towards, I think the Jets got the better end of this deal. I mean, you look at it, I think in the end, both teams made out sure pretty well. I think this was good for both. Uh, I, you know, just swapping a 13 for a 15 in this year's draft. Are you right. kidding me? Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing. And you get uh, the number 170th overall pick. Like, okay, whatever. You get an additional fifth-round pick. Whatever. And you're losing uh, a second-round pick, which is fine, you know, depending on how else they draft. I mean, maybe that's not that big a deal. Uh, a later-round pick, you know, 207. Again, who knows? Uh, but the conditional second-round pick that I would say if Rodgers doesn't have an injury history... I would say he's going to bust that 65% of plays percentage wide open. So I think that second-round pick is going to be a first-round pick. That's the only thing that makes me go, you know, maybe down the line, yeah, because who knows. And especially if, if Aaron Rodgers does stay the full two years or whatever in New York, then I think it's worth it. 
If he doesn't, oh boy, you're screwed next year. <laughs> but uh, you know, whatever he's got to do to, he's got to sign some contract with the Packers first to kind of get him out of some sort of cap situation that they have to get yeah. finalized. But yeah, I don't follow. I was watching that, so. a little bit of a press conference, or not a press conference, but the NFL Network guys talking about it. So there's something else they got to do to technically get this all done. And of course, he's got to do the physical, pass the physical. Then it's all water under the bridge. So by draft day, we aren't talking about Aaron Rodgers anymore. <laughs> I just wonder, you know, how how is he going to be with the off-season workouts, you know, meeting his new receivers and new linemen and all that? Uh, is he going to be a team player, or is he going to, you know, keep this attitude of, you know, I'm Aaron Rodgers and you're not? He'll probably stand him up for the whole off-season because they didn't finish out his uh, wish list of wide receivers. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's see. I mean, uh, I think this automatically makes the Jets a – Playoff contender easily. I thought you were going to say a prime candidate for hard knocks. Oh, that too. They are. They we've been saying that. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers or not, they were a prime candidate. Uh, well, I, if they didn't have Rodgers, I don't know if they might have gone with somebody else. But maybe, maybe not. I think the Jets are definitely going to be now. A hard they're definitely knocks. a hard knocks yep. runner. But I think uh, you still got to call the Buffalo Bills and shout out to all my our Buffalo Bills uh, fan friends that we met over the weekend. Mm. Uh, I think the Bills are still considered your favorite, but man, it's tempting to say the Jets might be the best team in the East, only because that Jets team wasn't too bad this year. They they were yeah they were they a, were a quarterback away from yeah. really winning some games, yep. and they got it. They got some stud receivers. They got a, a defense that was playing pretty decently as well. This is a team that could make some noise next year if Aaron Rodgers one is all in, and if he plays better than he did against Detroit. There, I got it in. I got it out of my system. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually looking forward to uh, watching Hard Knocks now. That uh, that that, assuming that the Jets are going to be in it, because I do like to watch a train wreck, and that's what I'm expecting. I know. I I, I don't think it'll be that bad now. If Aaron Rodgers was still kind of playing this will I won't I game with the Jets, oh, then that'll make for great. Well, we'll trashy see, television. We'll see what happens in the next few months when they have their yeah. off-season, you know, uh, conditioning yeah. or practice. And apparently, or... he is. Uh, I don't know if this is official or not, but he's apparently turning down Joe Namath's. Uh, oh no! Uh, I heard this morning that they won't allow him to have oh, Joe Namath's gonna... number. Really? That's, Even yes, though Joe Namath gave his that, blessing. Well, I didn't hear that, but I just heard him say that he will be wearing number eight. Yeah, he'll be wearing number uh, eight now because uh, twelve is Joe Namath's number, and I didn't think about that. But yeah, that's probably it's. I don't know if it, it's probably not retired. It's not a retired. Oh, it's got to be retired. But it's like Barry Sanders. They're not. Nobody's gonna wear twenty in Detroit now uh, because of that. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I didn't even think about his number twelve going to the Jets. Yeah, I wish I would have known that before. I would have put the Aaron Rodgers in a number twelve Jets jersey on the graphic this week. <laughs> Too late to change that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another subject. Uh, yeah, you this... remember how last week when I really wanted to put uh, the Detroit Lions on our. Uh, brand new uh, graphic, you know, our thumbnail for Format. our podcast. I was looking forward to putting that 90th anniversary logo. It just missed out last week. A couple of big stories. And here for what you wish for, I guess, everybody, because we had to put the Lions on the graphic wow. for this bad reason this week. Yeah, we, we heard about this Saturday morning when we were driving. Friday morning. Friday morning, yes, it was Friday morning. Yeah, we, we left Kalamazoo. We had a six-hour drive to get to Springville, New York, south of Buffalo, for a PFRA convention, which we'll which, talk about which a we'll little talk bit. About. But yeah, uh, and so all the way as we're going through Ohio, we got to hear this story. I think you saw it on your phone first. Yeah, I think I like woke up from a little nap and I looked at my phone and said, "Oh no, 
And and so I had to switch from the Beatles channel, which I was loving. Uh, I had to go to ESPN, and we and I, of course on my Sirius uh, XM radio, I've got CBS Sports, NBC Sports, Fox Sports. Oh my God, Dog he's bragging the, about the fact he's got Sirius Radio. Everybody, I'm not bragging oh my about goodness, it, you, just, sounds just like saying, you're bragging. I had all these options, and we just kept going from station to station, looking to see who was playing uh, this uh, story. But the story is four Detroit Lions players and one Washington Commanders player were suspended for violating the league's gambling policy. Gamblers defensive end Shaka Tony Commanders, not the gamblers. Well, I, did I say gamblers? You said the gamblers. I mean, technically he was a gambler, but he's not <laughs> he's a Houston a gambler. gambler. <laughs> Commanders defensive end Shaka Tony and Lions players wide receiver Quintez Cephas and defensive back C.J. Moore have all been suspended for at least one year. Those three players have been indefinitely suspended, and they cannot apply for reinstatement until April 2024 at the earliest. Cephas and Moore were immediately cut by the Lions as soon as this announcement was made. Uh, Let's see. A wide receiver, Stanley Berryhill, and wide receiver Jameson Williams were suspended for six games for betting on college games inside of a team facility. The Lions have also fired several staff members for ver- from various departments in the organization for gambling issues in the last few months, which I didn't know about that until this other story came out. So, you know, they kept that kind of quiet. And, um, yeah, Jameson Williams, he was he was the biggest name on yeah. this list for us. Uh, number one, our first-round draft pick yeah. for Detroit last year that they traded up to get, yep. injured for most of the year, yep. uh, came in, he had one touchdown this season, an yep. explosive touchdown, and, a lot of high hopes on this kid coming in, and then to have this issue kind of, I won't call it a setback, but it was very disappointing to hear. Yeah, and weren't you saying that DJ Moore just signed a new contract? I believe the Lions had just re-signed DJ Moore, or CJ Moore, sorry. Uh, yeah, CJ Moore. Yeah, I could have swore they had just like re-signed him, and, um, but yeah, to, to be honest, so Quintus Cephas was a wide receiver that we had high hopes for. Mm-hmm. He looked good and looked like he, he was gotten decent. better. Then he got hurt. He was decent. Then he got hurt, and then he kind of had become more of a practice, or not practice squad guy, but more of a special teamer, mm-hmm. which was kind of weird. Um, so losing him, no offense to Quintus, it's just I, I don't consider that a big loss. Yeah. CJ Moore, he's also a special teamer, but he also got to see some stuff on defense, so he might be the biggest loss from that. Uh, this Barry Hill guy, never heard of him. I, yeah, never heard of him. I before. never heard of him. If he'd been a practice squad guy, I have not heard of him. I don't know if he's seen any actual game action with the Lions. Yeah, no, the name is totally. But but Jameson Williams is the big one. Yeah. Um, he's the one. You know, six games is a lot, and you know they're gonna they're allowed to these two guys who got the six game suspensions are allowed to participate with the team up until the day of cuts after the preseason's over, right. and then they are uh, forbidden from participating with the team for six weeks. Right. Yeah, they can do pre they can play in preseason games, they can go through the training camp and all the off season stuff. So yeah, yeah. And until the week before the first game, um they're they're there and then they're not for six weeks. And it just goes to show you, look, gambling can be fun when done responsibly, but when you're in a professional league like this, like the NFL, NBA, it doesn't matter. If you're a professional athlete, why are you gambling anyway? Like it, it, I get it. It can be fun. Maybe you're like, it sounds like what happened in Detroit, and I'm just speculating here, was it was clearly a bunch of dudes just standing around, just saying like, oh, maybe we should put a bet down on this game or blah, blah, blah. Like, it was probably harmless, unintentional fun. And it bit you in the butt because the NFL can't oh, yeah, have you. They, they uh, supposedly were told on day one when they come to the team, they are all set, sat down and told, 
you do not gamble in the facility. Yeah. You want to gamble away from here. You know, you don't gamble on NFL games, period, right. anytime, ever. Is yeah. Because you're now an employee of the NFL. You do not gamble on the NFL. But if you want to do some college, you want to do some baseball, some basketball, that's fine. Just don't do it in a team facility. Yeah. So. And that's pretty simple. But these guys must have been sleeping during the must have been. And for some of these, in the staffers, I'm sure it was probably like those interns or those younger kids. And I could be wrong. Maybe there's some other people involved in this. They didn't give that information out. Right. But it was probably, you know, those staffers that come in like, oh, cool. I got a a fun internship with the Detroit Lions. You know, I'm a mid 20 something year old just trying to, you know, make a name in this organization. It's kind of cool. I work for a sports team. And that's probably the kind of people that got caught doing this. The players, though, they don't have an excuse. Yeah. It's inexcusable. You know going in. Well, isn't it a, doesn't it send a lot of mixed signals that DraftKings and all these other sports betting, MGM sports, whatever, they're all throwing money at the NFL. They all have advertisements. Right. Uh, they're all sponsoring this and that. So, you know, they all want you to download the so app. So easy to do. They're encouraging you to, to bet and all this. And these kids got caught caught up in it. Yeah. You know, it's it just it doesn't seem right that, you know, for years uh, gambling on the NFL was, you know, on NFL games was really looked down upon by the league. Now all of a sudden, hey, we're going to get a cut of this. We're going to make millions and billions. Okay, it's we're fine with it now. So this is this is the other half of that coin. I, it's coming back to beat uh to hit you in the butt that your players can't stay away from it because they're addicted to it. Yeah, that's I, why there's a warning about yeah, I, gambling. Like, like we weren't there in the facility with them, and you know, know. Like a, a lot of these guys are younger kids. You know, Jameson Williams is only twenty, you know, twenty something, very yeah. young twenties, just came out of college. Like, I get it. He wants to have fun. He he was uh, hurt for most of the season, you know. And some of these guys that are probably doing these bets while they're like sit, not sitting on the sideline, maybe, but like, well, they're hurt. They can't be practicing with their team. What's there to do? Oh, you play on your cell phone, but. When you're in a professional business like this, I get it. You should not bet on your league. I get that. I do think it's a little ridiculous that they can't even bet on other leagues. If they can prove, I'll give you that. If they can prove that they were only betting on college games, and apparently they can, like with the verification system that some of these sports apps have. Like I was showing you, I was opening my FanDuel app. Mm. Not that I do a whole lot of betting. Every once in a while, I'll look at a line and just be like, well, what would happen if I bet $10 on this game? And I just back out. But... You have to get authorized. Like it verifies your location. Yeah. You have to give it a code every time you sign in, just to verify, you know, that location and that you're logging in. And uh, for these guys, and I, they were talking on some of the sports channels about they have to give your social security number. I can't remember giving any any app my social security number. But they they also said you had to like scan your driver's license to put that in there. Maybe so they maybe you had license. to have. I'm not sure. Uh, I might have had to, but this is why I signed up for that. Yeah. But yeah, so they know your location, where you're betting, and it, it it's weird. But I get it for these NFL players. But it should be a red flag. Like as soon as a, a an employee of the NFL signs up for one of these apps, like it should be a red flag, okay. like up the chain of command immediately. Right. You know. But uh, yeah, they just got to be smarter. I mean, okay. it, it's such a dumb thing to hear. Do I think the the suspension or the yeah the six game suspension is still a little steep if you can prove. Or have enough information that they weren't betting on NFL games. Six games is a bit much. I get that they don't want players doing it, and that they don't want it to be a bad habit, and they don't want it to in any way tarnish the reputation of the league sure. and the integrity of the game. I get it. We don't want that. That's why they made an example of Calvin Ridley last year for betting on games. Yep. Um, I get. It. I think a year 
I won't say it's too harsh, but I get it. Yeah, well, they they want to nip it in the bud. I get it, you sh- and they should. Uh, any any optics of your league being colluded like that is not good. That that might be the one thing that could take down the NFL in an instant. Is, oh yeah, is the uh, yeah. all of a sudden just oh everybody's just trading secrets behind the you know everything's rigged. Well, it makes sense that they would track you on on these apps, these betting apps, because. Some states don't allow yeah. sports betting. So, you, I mean, even though you're from Michigan, where sports betting is legal, if you go to a state that where it isn't legal, you can't place a bet in that state on your phone, even though you're not a, right. a citizen, you're from Michigan, whatever. So, yeah, so you think, uh, you think Big Brother is watching you all the time? The Big Brother is really watching these sports betting apps, yeah. uh, tracking where you are, who you are, exactly where you are, how where much money is changing hands. Yep, yeah. everything that you bet, every game that you bet, it's all tracked. So Big Brother is watching you there. Uh, you know, it's it's bad enough that uh, yes, anytime you're on your cell phone, somebody's watching what yeah. you're doing. But it always feels like somebody's watching me. Yeah, yeah. Just mention something yeah. and see if an ad doesn't show up on your phone in 15 minutes. Oh, something did come up. You and I were talking about something, and I saw an ad for it. Uh, it was Taco Bell breakfast. Oh. <laughs> I literally got a Taco Bell breakfast ad. We were talking about it on the way home. Yeah. Should we stop at Taco Bell for breakfast? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's yeah. move on from this. Uh, Matt Patricia uh, has left the e- or has left the uh, Patriots and he's joining the staff of the Philadelphia Eagles now. Oh no! Isn't that great? I mean, I, I can think of one former Detroit Lion who uh, is on that Eagles uh, staff there uh, that uh, does not like Matt Patricia. <laughs> Darius Slay, cornerback, definitely has had some beef with Matt Patricia. Now come back to Detroit, Darius. I uh, I don't think so, especially after Darius just signed that. Well, go contract. to any other team, Darius. I don't. I'm, wait, I'm waiting to hear Darius Slay's <laughs> surprise retirement all of a sudden, or Matt Patricia's immediate firing again. Yeah. What a man! If you knew about Trisha's beef and and Slay, why would you even go this route? I, come on. I don't know. Come on. I wouldn't have done it personally, but whatever. <laughs> Another thing that I saw just this morning, uh, Oklahoma, the uh, University of Oklahoma, has unveiled the bronze statue of Kyler Murray at their stadium plaza, um, the plaza outside their stadium, where every other uh, Oklahoma Heisman Trophy winner is located. I want to go see that plaza sometime. Well, you'll probably be taller than that statue, too, if it's well, life-size. <laughs> but I just think that's cool that every time they get a Heisman Trophy winner, he gets a bronze that's, statue. That is kind of cool. So, yeah, I'll give it to him. Uh, I would I would love to go see it. That's kind of on my bucket list to go there and, and uh, go see all the I'd love to actually go guys. see like an Oklahoma Sooners game. That'd I don't know if I want to go for a game. I just want to go, go in the offseason and you know, yeah, walk around the plaza without, without you know thousands of people there trying to get in the oh, game. Oh, I'd be down for that. I'd, I'd love to try some of these big college game day experiences, especially for teams I have no allegiance to. I could just go and just be like an impartial just, I'm just here to watch a game. Uh, so if there's any Oklahoma Sooners fans out there that want to hook us up or hook me up, I mean, I'll definitely go see a Sooners game. I'll get my picture taken by the Billy Sims statue. Oh, they, see, there we go. <laughs> then we'll go to and a Billy, Billy Sims, Sims barbecue Billy around Sims there. burger place or barbecue place after that and, and uh, yeah. eat ourselves. Sounds like a good time to me. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Oh, uh, yeah, last week, which I didn't even know this. Uh, oh, yeah, you're today, welcome. You posted a poll. On our uh, Twitter feed, yep, and you ask uh, what people thought of the uh, Arizona Cardinals' new uniforms, and uh, the only reason I know that <laughs> that you did this is because I got the results in my uh, notifications. Fifty-five point six of the respondents liked their new uniforms. Forty-four point four percent did not like the new uniforms. So 
a little closer than I thought. I thought uh, maybe you know people would either love him or hate him, and it's about half and half. Yeah, I don't care. I, actually, you got that backwards because it was fifty fifty six percent did not like him. That's what the thumbs down emoji means. Forty four percent did not or okay. did like the uniforms. I my bad. So, I put I put that wrong then. Yeah, you did. But, uh, but even so, that's still pretty close. I thought it would be uh, like 80% to 20%. Of I, I don't know. These jerseys are polarizing. I get it. People are like, oh, uniforms, who cares? Look, I'm a stickler for the the gorgeousness of uniforms, and I love when a team's got a good look. And I think the Cardinals, uh, some of the aspects of those new jerseys, I like. I like the fact that that new white helmet has silver flecks in it. It's kind of cool. The uh, The logo's a little bigger, and they did like a little bit of a 3D effect on it, which I think is interesting and cool. Uh, the white jerseys, I think, look great. White pants look great. Uh, the black jerseys look like Ohio State when they wear their all blacks. But it's that red jersey. I just don't understand. Uh, it's the only one that doesn't have that same stripe on the sleeves. There's nothing. It's like a big red pajama onesie. They look like the Oklahoma Sooners <laughs> uniforms. You know, and... You know, I thought about doing a video about it, but it was we were going on uh, our trip this weekend. I just didn't have time. Yeah. But not a fan of the home jersey, but the white jersey though kind of gives me the old school Cardinal vibes. I wish they would have leaned more into some old school Arizona slash St. Louis Cardinal vibes, Chicago Cardinal vibes. I would have loved that, but mm. it's whatever. Nike's ruining NFL uniforms. Absolutely, I can agree with that. All right, in a little bit of CFL news, the 109th Grey Cup game and the Grey Cup Festival from last year in 2022 generated $67.8 million in economic activity throughout Canada. Now, that may not sound like a lot to you, but that's that's pretty good for up in Canada where the players aren't making that much money and, uh, you know, the money's just... It's not NFL money, that's for sure. So, and we we still love the CFL because it's it's such a unique game, and we do we love the game, we love the teams up there. So good for them for for making sixty seven point eight million dollars off of last year's Grey Cup game. And you just got some uh, uh, merchandise today from Canada, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You got some uh, uh, Grey Cup champion Toronto yeah, Argonauts. Yeah, my Argos, stuff. baby. <laughs> I got some championship merch. I got a little Grey Cup that says twenty twenty two champs yeah, on it. Looked like a little salt shaker. <laughs> Like the it. size of a salt shaker. I'm so happy. I've been waiting for a month for that stuff. Mm. Had to may, cross the border and get. We may to have it. to post a picture of these things uh, on our. Uh, nah, uh, you'll see me wearing them on videos at some point. I'm sure. Okay. All right. I'm gonna move on to a little bit of arena football news here. The Arena Football League has named former NFL executive Tracy Linen as its new chief operating officer. Linen will oversee business development, strategy, and growth operations for the league. She spent 10 years as a team logistics consultant for the NFL, uh, where she managed operations and travel logistics between the league and Super Bowl-bound teams. She also worked on the NFL draft and helped with the NFL alumni relations during the Super Bowl in 2022. So this lady's got a great resume, and she's coming to the Arena Football League, and I I hope she's going to do a great job there of uh, getting this league off the ground. Yep. Especially when you're talking about growth operations. That's uh, right where they're at right now. Uh, yep, exactly. Trying to build the league. And, you know, they mentioned this on the uh, uh, AFL Rewind podcast. This was kind of talked about first there. Mm-hmm. Then there was an official press release about yep. it a few days you know, a few days yep. ago. So, um, yeah, for Arena Football News. Like we said in our video we just put out, you know, talk about the Arena Football League. Follow Tim Capper on Twitter. Follow the commissioner of the Arena Football League, Lee Hutton III on Twitter. 
uh, great follows. Uh, and then listen to that AFL Rewind podcast whenever he posts stuff. The commissioner has been very candid, and it's been great. Hear this type of information. It's getting me more and more excited every day with the AFL. Yeah, and, and I'm, you know, you and I, uh, I think, are like a lot of AFL fans that are hanging on every every little crumb every that, that comes out. Every single morsel. We're, we want more. We want more information. Give us team names. Give us cities, even if you don't have a name Give for us it uniforms. Yet. Give us the new yeah. ball. Yeah. Give we, us the new nets. We want to know everything yes. about the new Arena Football League. All right. Uh, in National Arena League news... A warrant was issued uh, last week in Florida for the arrest of National Arena League uh, owner of the uh, Albany Empire, Antonio Brown, for back child support. And uh, we, you know, before that, he had a little run in with a security, security guard, guard on the yeah. field that kept telling him that he needed to get off the field. He wasn't wearing an identifying badge or anything to be, you know, on the sidelines. I know they have certain passes that allow you in certain areas. But they, this security guard wanted to clear the field because they were getting ready for the national anthem or something like that, some pregame activities. And he just kept telling him to, you got to get off the field. You got to get off the field. <laughs> did you watch that, that video? Yeah, I did. It was yeah. uh, it was weird. Anyway, he obviously didn't know who uh, Antonio Brown was at the time. But uh, And then soon, you know, about a day or so after that, we get this news that there's an arrest warrant out for him for back child support. Uh, and then... Well, within a few hours of that, I think, or at least the next day, we found out that uh, he's paid his wife uh, over $33,000 in delinquent child support uh, as soon as this news was made public. Um, <laughs> so what is going on with Antonio Everywhere Brown this man goes, a circus follows. That's oh all I'm going to say the, about that. The drama, the drama. I don't know what to do. And we, we, man, when we did our first AFL video, Albany was a location we thought for sure the Arena League would go back to. But as long as Antonio Brown is now involved, I think the AFL is staying as far away well, from that mess I'm as possible. I'm not going to say that either. I'm going to say it. We're all thinking it. It's fine. And if they are thinking it, don't. Yeah. Well, here's here's a little thing that I ran across. This is uh, about the XFL and the NF uh, and the USFL. Uh, in their first week where they were actually competing for TV viewers. Uh, during the first week of action, the new USFL averaged 784,000 viewers across Fox Sports, FS1, and NBC. That was down 50% from last year's inaugural weekend, which averaged 1.7 million viewers, according to... 1.57. What did I say? You just said 1.7. Oh, 1.57 million viewers, according to Sports Media Watch. But the debut of the USFL's second season com- comfortably topped Week Nine of the XFL, which averaged 592,000 viewers across ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2. One bright spot for the XFL was ABC's teleca- telecast of the Houston Roughnecks versus the Vegas Vipers. That game drew 878,000 viewers. Both leagues were up against the. Most watched opening weekend of the NBA playoffs in 12 years. So much sports going on right now, and everybody's betting on it. Uh, let's see, the NBA playoffs... Well, I can think of some Detroit Lions players that are no longer yeah. betting on it. <laughs> the NBA playoffs slate averaged 4.15 million viewers across ABC, ESPN, and TNT. So, you know, decent numbers. Could have been better, but, you know, that's what you get when, you, when you're up against the NBA playoffs. You know, yeah, uh, and here's the information that I mentioned earlier: the Battle Hawks uh, 
Total attendance for their five games was 175,215 fans, uh, they, which was an average of 35,104 fans per game. Uh, I think the first game they had 38,000, over 38,000, and then the next two were over 35,000, and the last two games uh, were over 33,000. So they kind of went down as the season, season went along, but tell me another team that had 33,000 at any of their uh, XFL games this year. There aren't any. None. Zero. So good for the Battlehawks and, uh, and good for the XFL. Uh, you know, decent season. Uh, I don't know what their total attendance uh, numbers have been. You, they probably won't. Well, I don't know if they'll talk regular season numbers or if they'll just wait till the end of the you know championship game or whatever. I don't know. <clears throat> All right. Uh, college news. Would you read that one? I got to take a drink. All right. Final, fine. College football news, everybody. They instituted some new clock rules in Division One of college football. That's the FCS and FBS for those of you out there, as well as Division Two. Uh, one of the rules is that the uh, running the clock after a first down, like the NFL, uh, except for the last two minutes of each half. So pretty much what we've been used to in the NFL. As soon as you get a first down, the clock will continue to run until under the two minutes. Uh, I don't like this. College football's got that unique thing about them where they can, uh, uh, you know, get a first down, and then luckily they can save some time as they're getting the chains. You know, I think situated. they're trying to shorten the games up. I get that, but man, I, I just that's what one thing about the unique college game that I, I like a lot actually. Uh, they are also banning the use of consecutive timeouts by a team. We've seen that happen so much. Uh, especially coming down to the end of the game, you know, team using multiple timeouts, like in field goal situations yep. or to ice a kicker. I'm glad they're getting rid of that at least. Yep. Uh, and then the third bullet point here, carrying over a foul to the second or fourth quarter rather than playing an untimed down. Now that's like, an interesting I like one. that. Yeah. I like that. That makes sense. You don't need an extra play um, at the end of a, a quarter. Just, just roll it over into the next quarter and just keep going. Right. Uh, you okay over there? I'm good. I'm good. All right. And uh, just so you know, uh, we are at 53 minutes on the clock today. We oh, have my been, gosh. We've had a long show, and we got so much more to cover. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, and one of the things we did, we've been talking about how we went to uh, Western New York for a Pro Football Researchers Association gathering. Um, I'm officially official, everybody. Yes. I, I went to my first meeting as a member. Yep. And, and what did you think of it? It was good. I, I messaged... Uh, uh, the gentleman who organized everything, Jeffrey Miller, and uh, I thought it was a great event. You know, he I, always does a great job. He, he, you know, fantastic job organizing this event. Uh, you know, met a lot of people who I've been familiar with only in terms of I follow their podcast because you've been either on them or you've already known them through the Pro Football Researchers Association. So meeting a lot of these guys in person, it very weird hearing people talk to me about. Our podcast, mm. like how much they enjoyed listening to us for some reason, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, the common denominator was uh, th that they love the fact that I give you hell every yeah. week, and uh, yeah. you know I greatly appreciate that, guys. And I promise from the bottom of my heart that that will not stop. Oh, jeez. Okay, so we left last Friday, uh -huh. and we uh, drove to Cleveland. Uh, like I said, we got to listen to all. Well, the... we took a break in Cleveland to. To get some, I got some ribs. Uh, there's a place we like to go to, Quaker Steak and Lube, there in Cleveland. Mm. It's kind of like our go-to destination. Yep. When it's we're about out halfway. Area. Yeah, halfway. so got me some lovely ribs. Oh, so good. Yeah, so good. And I I like stopping there because they have my my all-time favorite car, 
uh, hanging on the wall. Oh yeah. So don't worry, everybody. You'll see. We there is a video coming uh, because uh, on top of doing that, we saw the grave of Isaac Seneca. Uh, we hit up a brewery. Uh, we did a lot of P- Glenn Pop Warner stuff. Man, <laughs> this is Glenn Pop Warner heavy. Yeah. Um. So that'll be our, our next video is a half grave will travel. So you're gonna get a little bit of uh, the PFRA meeting in there. Uh, but mainly it'll be about focusing on the graves of Isaac Seneca and the grave of Pop Warner, which just so happened to be in Springville, New York, which is our destination for this trip. Yep. And uh, and then we came home on Sunday and we stopped at the same Quaker Steak and Lube and had lunch again. And... Yeah. That may not be in the video. The, the, but, no, uh, that won't. But, but it, was, it was a great weekend. It was great meeting a lot of these guys from the PFRA. Even a couple of guys, you know, I saw during the presentation all Saturday – didn't even talk to one of them till the end of the night. It's like, why have I not talked to this dude uh, till the end of the night? Just you know, it was a great fun gathering. A lot of great guest speakers there. Yep. Um, good time was had by yeah, all. A good time was had by all. We, if you are a football junkie like us, we recommend joining the Pro Football Researchers Association. Oh yeah, it's a good group of guys. A good little organization that just, they know how to have a good time. And trust me, because. I sat there and listened to so much nerdy football talk while at a bar that I was just like, dang, these losers need to get a life. Well, we were we were two more losers that were right yeah, there true. with the rest of them. But so. we, I, nobody is ever allowed to call comic book nerds nerds or uh, people out doing, you know, talking about movies or whatever, because guess what? Football nerds are just as nerdy there as is, the rest of them. There is such a thing as a football nerd, and we know where they're at. Where they're oh, when, at. when at one point when... There's an argument happening, and Jeff Miller just shouts at the top of his lungs, the man was an All-American, <laughs> for God's sake. And that was a highlight of my night. When you're in the middle of a brewery and somebody just shouts that out loud, you know that you're having peak, and I mean peak, football discussion, in quotes. It was, it was, it was fun. Man, it was a good time. I can't wait till next year again. I've never seen Randy party so hard. He had at least three <laughs> unsweetened iced teas. That's everybody. right. Oh man, I was I was pounding those things back all night long. <laughs> God, you're a loser. <laughs> all right, um, let's move on here. Today is birthdays. April twenty fifth, guard and center Randy Cross turned sixty nine today. He played his college football at UCLA and was selected in the second round of the 1976 NFL Draft by the San Francisco 49ers. He played 13 NFL NFL seasons, all with the 49ers, from 1976 to 1988. He won three Super Bowls with the 49ers, and he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2010. Since then, he's gone on to be a sports broadcaster for CBS Sports and NBC Sports in both, both pro and college football. Somebody that had a similar career was defensive back Darren Woodson, who turns 54 years old today. He played his college football at Arizona State and was selected in the second round of the 1992 NFL Draft by the Dallas Cowboys. He played 12 NFL seasons, all with the Dallas Cowboys from 1999 to I'm sorry, 1992 to 2003, and he also won three Super Bowls. So happy birthday to Darren Woodson and Randy Cross today. Uh, we do have four obituaries today. This is where we take a moment to honor those who've made the world of football a better place. Our first obituary is that of Dave the Intimidator Wilcox, a linebacker in the NFL for 11 seasons. He has passed away at the age of 80. Wilcox played college football in Oregon and at Boise State. 
He was selected in the third round of the 1964 NFL Draft by the San Francisco 49ers. He was also selected in the sixth round of the 1964 American Football League Draft by the Houston Oilers. He signed with the 49ers and played his entire career with the team from 1964 to 1974. Wilcox was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2000. All right, our next obituary is that of Nate Dorsey, a defensive end in the NFL and the World Football League, has passed away at the age of 72. Dorsey played college football at Mississippi Valley State and was selected in the seventh round of the 1973 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, he ended up signing with the New England Patriots, where he played in 1973. In 1974, he played for the Birmingham Americans of the World Football League and won the World Bowl title. He ended his playing career with the World Football League San Antonio Wings in 1975. Our next obituary is Don McElhenney, a halfback in the NFL for six seasons. He has died at the age of 88. McElhenney played college football at SMU and was selected in the third round of the 1956 NFL Draft by the Detroit Lions. He played the 1956 season in Detroit and was then traded to the Green Bay Packers in a multiplayer swap that brought quarterback Tobin Rote to Detroit. McElhenney played for the Packers from 1957 to 1959. He was then selected by the Dallas Cowboys in the 1960 expansion draft. He scored the first rushing touchdown in Cowboys history during their inaugural season. He was waived by the Cowboys during the 1961 season and was claimed off of waivers by the San Francisco 49ers. He finished the 1965-61 season with the 49ers and then retired. All right, our final obituary this week is that of Bob Barry, a quarterback in the NFL for 12 seasons, has passed away at the age of 81. Barry played college football at Oregon and was selected in the 11th round of the 1964 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles. He was also selected in the 26th round of the 1964 American Football League Draft by the Denver Broncos. He signed with the Minnesota Vikings after he was involved in an off-season trade with the Eagles. He played for the Vikings from 1965 to 1967. He then signed with the Atlanta Falcons, where he played from 1968 to 1972. Barry was traded back to the Vikings, where he finished his playing career from 1973 to 1976. All right, that's it for this week's obituaries. Uh, Anything that you've seen come across your phone before we get into this week's history lesson? Uh, As of right now, uh, that is a big old negative. All right. Uh, This week's history lesson, ironically... Uh, is the history of the World Football League, and uh, uh, pretty interesting, I think, uh, you, you'll find this. We uh, Whose obituary do we just have that played for the World Football League? Um, Dorsey. Yeah, Dor- uh, Nate Dorsey played for the World Football League. So, yeah, here's our, here's our history of the World Football League. The World Football League was around for just one and a half seasons in 1974 and 1975. While it was a short-lived league and played with financial troubles the whole time, it still holds an important place in football history. The WFL was the brainchild of Gary L. Davidson, the man behind the creation of the American Basketball Association in 1967 and the World Hockey Association in 1971. He was also the commissioner of the World Football League in its inaugural season. The WFL played a 20-game regular season schedule in the fall, and most of their games were played on Wednesday and Thursday nights in order to avoid competing with NFL and college games. 
Some of their rules were a bit different from the NFL. Touchdowns were worth 7 points instead of 6, and they did not kick extra points after touchdowns. Instead, they had what they called the action point, where a team had to run or pass for the extra point. The WFL also placed their goalposts at the back of the end zone beginning in 1974. This was a year before the NFL did the same thing beginning in 1975. The league fielded 12 teams in 1974, the Florida Blazers, New York Stars, Philadelphia Bell, Jacksonville Sharks, Memphis Southmen, Birmingham Americans, Detroit Wheels, Chicago Fire, Southern California Sun, Portland Storm, Houston Texans, and a team simply known as the Hawaiians. Many owners from the World Hockey Association also owned teams in the WFL. Originally, one team was supposed to be located in Toronto, where it was going to be called the Toronto Northmen. They had a polar bear for a mascot. However, the Canadian government did not like the idea of an American pro football team coming to Canada and competing with the CFL's Toronto Argonauts, so they started working on legislation to block the WFL from placing a team in Canada. The Northmen had already signed three major NFL stars, all from the Miami Dolphins. Fullback Larry Zonka, halfback Jim Kick, and wide receiver Paul Warfield. The league decided to move the team to Tennessee, and it was renamed the Memphis Southmen, with a grizzly bear for a mascot. Because of their NFL contracts, Zonka, Kick, and Warfield were not allowed to play in the WFL until the 1975 season. The first and only World Bowl Championship game was played on December 5, 1974 at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama between the Florida Blazers and the Birmingham Americans. The attendance at the game was 32,376. Birmingham held a commanding 22 to nothing lead at the end of the third quarter. Then Florida scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter but Birmingham hung on for a 22-21 win. Two teams did not even make it through the first season. The Detroit Wheels and the Jacksonville Sharks both folded due to financial troubles after 14 games. For as bad as things were for the league financially, it did come back for a second season in 1975 with 11 teams. A few teams had new owners in 1975 and therefore changed their names. The Chicago Fire became the Chicago Wind, the Birmingham Americans became the Birmingham Vulcans, and the Jacksonville Sharks became the Jacksonville Express. Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, and Paul Warfield finally suited up for the Memphis Southmen in 1975. The team posted a respectable 7-4 record when the World Football League filed for bankruptcy on October 22, 1975. They were in second place behind the Birmingham Vulcans in the Western Division. Several other notable NFL players also played in the WFL. Quarterback Danny White of the Dallas Cowboys played for the Memphis Southmen in 1974 and 1975. Wide receiver Vince Papali played for the Philadelphia Bell in 1974 and 1975 and went on to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Defensive end Ben Davidson played in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders from 1964 to 1971 and came out of retirement to play for the Portland Storm in 1974. Future New York Giants head coach Jim Fossil was a backup quarterback for the Hawaiians in 1974 and 1975. 
and quarterback Gary Danielson played for the New York Stars and the Charlotte Hornets in 1974 and the Chicago Wind in 1975 before joining the Detroit Lions in 1977. Financial problems plagued the WFL during its entire year and a half of existence. But all these years later, the league is still remembered, mainly for the three Super Bowl champion Miami Dolphins players they were able to lure away from the NFL. Another fine addition to your series of defunct football <laughs> leagues. Each one of them had something unique that, that's interesting. They, they may have had financial problems from day one. It might have lasted, you know, only a year or two or three. But they all left an indelible impression on the world of football, and uh, they should, remembered, should be remembered and honored. For sure. Okay, let's go on to the... Uh, well, how soon till we get a World Football League revival in one of these spring leagues? I don't know. <laughs> hey, we got the USFL and XFL back. Why not the They're, World Football League? Those, uh, those logos for the World Football League were awful. They were just awful. It looked like they were thrown together at the last minute. Except for the Detroit Drive, right? Uh, what do you mean, the Detroit Wheels? Sorry, yeah, the Detroit Wheels. Sorry, the, that was, the D on the helmet that makes was, me always say the Drive. Yeah, that was kind of bad, too. <laughs> yeah, they were they were all terrible logos. So I don't think you'll see any World Football League teams come back. Hey, if any league needs a revamp of their logos, maybe that's what uh, needs to happen. Yeah. All right, uh, upcoming events calendar. This Thursday, just two days from now, the NFL Draft in Kansas City. On May 2nd, uh, the CFL draft is going to take place. Uh, May uh, 13th, that's a Saturday. Or is that a Sunday? I think it's a Saturday. The XFL championship game in San Antonio. May 22nd, the CFL preseason begins. June 8th, CFL regular season begins. And Thursday, August 3rd, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, between the Cleveland Browns and Aaron Rodgers. Well, he probably, won't, he probably won't suit up <laughs> oh, he at better, all. He better play 60 minutes pre, in that game. For a preseason game, that ain't <laughs> happening. He'll be lucky to maybe even get him sitting there on the sideline. He might not even take the team bus. Who knows? He'll be in another uh, sleep chamber or something. Okay, anything else before we end this extremely long episode? Uh, not really, other than the fun rumor going around about uh, oh the quarterback, uh, Will... Oh my God! Why am I blank? He's like the third or fourth quarterback in the draft. People are talking about. Uh, oh, um, yeah, I've been following. But uh, he's been, you know, talked up because uh, supposedly there's a Reddit thread going around about uh, him being taken number one overall. He's telling all his friends and family uh, that he's going to go. Will Levis, that's right, Will Levis, that he'll be taken number one overall. That's the rumor going around. I, not that I believe it, but. Uh, yeah. Okay. But apparently that has made the betting odds skyrocket. Okay. It's, yeah, it's so, all about betting. We saw yeah. where that will land you. All right, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, original articles, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. Go ahead over to our Facebook page and give us a like. Come on, you know you want to do it. That's facebook.com slash TWOF Kalamazoo. You can also follow our Twitter account, please and thank you. The address is at TWOF Kalamazoo. Don't forget, we just put that poll up. Have you ever attended a football doubleheader that wasn't Kiwi or high school? 
Uh, so please go over there and vote. You got seven days. New episodes of this podcast are posted on Tuesdays and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the whole broadcast that you just listened to right now is also available on YouTube. Maybe that's where you're listening to it. I don't know. I'm not even listening to you like Big Brother listens to these football players gambling on apps. <laughs> Uh, you can also search YouTube for the World of Football Kalamazoo. Follow our channel there. We put up a lot of other content. Or use the handle YouTube.com slash at the world of football.com. Be on the lookout for our Have Grave Will Travel video this week. Um, yeah, that, that was this is going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to putting that together. Randy's just got to tighten up his script and uh, narrate using his dulcet tones, which was getting a lot of compliments, might I add, from the Pro Football Researchers Association Conference. Yeah, this uh, podcast I don't think would be as popular if I sounded like Steve Urkel. And definitely wouldn't be as popular if I didn't give you a bunch of crap all the time. We are also on Amazon Music, so simply ask your Alexa device to play that one podcast where Adam makes fun of his dad, and you will hear it. Or you could also ask her to just play the World of Football podcast. Same thing. Feel free to subscribe, rate, review, give us a like, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think across any of these platforms, because guess what? We try to interact with as many people as we can. Mainly YouTube is where I help interact with people. You were really on top of the Facebook and Twitter game uh, and uh, posting a lot of unique articles and stuff like that. So, hey, we are your resource for a lot of football stuff, everybody. Yeah, and here's something that we're kind of throwing around. Uh, we're coming up on episode 300 here pretty soon. Oh, yes. And uh, I'm seriously thinking about uh, uh, moving our history lesson out of our podcast and just putting it on YouTube and making a video of it. Yes. And uh, that way we can go back to a lot of ones that we've done. We've done 300 history lessons. We can go back to some of the old ones and make videos for those history lessons. Uh, script's already done, but I think it'd be nice for people to see some of the teams that we talked about, some of the players that we talked about in the and band. see Randy's gorgeous face for 300 more videos. Well, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I think uh, uh, it might be time to move the history lessons, which we'll still do every week, but uh, move it to YouTube instead of uh, doing it both, you know, Put right. it in both places. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's something we're kind of discussing. Uh, is there something else that you think we could maybe replace that with in our show? I mean, we still kind of want to keep the three aspects of past, present, and future in the podcast. We love to make sure that everybody's still familiar with history. Maybe we take a different angle on some new history stuff. Who knows? That's something we've been discussing. Yeah, we, I mean, we'll still, as when something happens, we'll always refer back to something that happened, you know, in the AFL or the World League that was similar to this situation, whatever. We'll still, you know, talk about that. But the actual history lessons, I think we just may move them out of the, the actual audio podcast and just strictly go to video podcasts uh, or video uh, episodes on YouTube. Somewhere out there, people are rioting after hearing that part of the podcast. Cars are getting... <laughs> Lit on fire and couches burned and flipped over. Oh, Randy, this hey, that'd be absolute chaos. Hey, be kind out there to everybody, all right? All right, feel free to subscribe, rate, review, give us a like, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. Let me finish out my paragraph. Okay. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, uh, if you could even imagine that. But nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than the two of us do. I don't know. There was a lot of people at Researchers uh, Association Conference. No, that, uh, we still love more than oh. they do. Well, you heard them, folks. <laughs> I ain't going to argue with them. Until next time, when we'll try and do a better job, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm exhausted. This is a long one this it week. It is. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>